TK, welcome back to the latest United podcast for a, I'd call this a special edition podcast. It definitely wasn't scheduled, but after the 24 hours, not even 24 hours, probably the 48 hours every football fan, and more importantly to us, every Manchester United fan has just had, um, we felt it was only right to have a chat, Larry. Um, how have you coped with the last 48 hours since we last spoke? All right, hold on, Tom. Listen, we've just heard that the Super League's gone up tits up. We've just seen that Ed Woodward has left Manchester United. Open this podcast with a bit more enthusiasm. This is great news. It's drained me. It's been absolutely draining. I think you sort of feel what the mood was like after our last chat on what day was it? God, I forget, Sunday or Monday, whenever the news broke um, after the Burnley match. And it was just depressing. I went on a little bit about sort of, I didn't want to make it about mental health and all that, but it did take its toll on me. And I'm just thinking, it's amazing how much it has affected people, both not just mentally, but physically. I feel physically drained. It has been draining, but yeah, today's news been phenomenal and it's definitely worth a conversation. And I think today let's, we'll, we'll talk, we'll cover it all. You know, it's been a lot to digest. So I think we'll, well, let's have a sensible conversation around the super league. What's well now it's, it's the rubbish league. It's the non-existent league. And it's funny. I, I, I tweeted out earlier, uh, Florentino Perez just over 24 hours ago said, there's no backing out. This is a legally binding contract. And I, I gotta say, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I did say on Monday, a letter of intent is not legally binding. And you've seen within 24 hours, it's all just come apart. The English sides led by Manchester city, which is disappointing in itself, um, have all pulled out, but We'll rip in. There's lots to cover. Yeah, you, you definitely were a lot more optimistic than me, and I, I definitely had a, a lot more fear surrounding the subject. But um, we'll get into how it's happened because, as I said, there was so much fear, especially on my end, but millions around the world, when the news broke. And my fear came from thinking there was no answer, thinking there was no way out. Okay, people are going to be outraged. People are going to try what they can try to try and help the situation. But ultimately, I thought it was a lost cause. I thought money would trump everything else, but fan power and pressure has trumped it in this case, which is quite unbelievable when you think about it, because money does win nine times out of ten. And um, we'll just start on, I don't know if, if there is an answer here, or it's just a, a complete collective, but who, what was the catalyst here? Do you think it's it was the fan pressure? Do you think it was pressure from the media? Do you think it was players at those individual clubs took a stand and put pressure on their owners or and CEOs? Um, we're going to get into so much, we haven't even touched on Ed Woodward, but um, can you sort of single out and put your finger on a specific catalyst in what sort of got this change over the line? Yeah, it's a really difficult one to analyse with any great level of accuracy. Gary Neville definitely was a major catalyst, and I say that because when you're particularly talking about Manchester United here, like he is a... He's a well-known spokesman, millions upon millions. If you just go on YouTube now, you type in Gary Neville, his Sky Sports uh, coverage is well into the millions in terms of its views. So just imagine the amount of PR that goes into that. It's horrible. It's negative PR for any of those clubs, but particularly for Manchester United. I think that's, that's probably what has driven everything up. And I think what is a major factor and one that probably isn't getting spoken about enough, like, yes, the fans and the outrage, but I think Boris Johnson getting involved from a UK government perspective has been massive. When you've got the government saying we will do everything in our power to stop this Super League from happening, you're you're straight away, you're fighting a losing battle. Um, This became a political game now. 
And if you're not backed um, by the country that your football club is in, you're going to lose no matter what. You need the government on your side in any project you go to do. So I think that was also a major factor. Well, just on Gary Neville there, and look, I was full of praise and still am of what Gary Neville did sort of when that news broke, what he has continued to do over the past couple of days. But on the last podcast, I was here saying, okay, that that is great what Gary Neville is doing. But at the end of the day, for me, it was Gary Neville. It was an ex-right back from Man United. And I was saying, well, okay, that's good, but we need Ronaldo. We need a Neymar. We need a Mbappe. We need Rashford. We need Klopp, Pep Guardiola, those type of names. As good as Gary Neville is in our hearts, I just thought it needed just that upper echelon of sort of a football name. But I look back now that the whole, well, not the whole solution has been sort of proven, but I now need to give Gary Neville far more credit seeing how it has unfolded and the impact. And as you say, just in terms of social media numbers, the the views and, and clicks his articles and his sort of conversations on Sky has generated, I do have to give him a lot more credit than I was given. I think he, look, we can't put a finger on what was the specific catalyst, but for me, he's pivotal in this. Oh, of course he is. And he deserves full credit. And the biggest bit of, well, the the greatest praise you can give him, the way he has gone two feet in into the Glazers, which undoubtedly we will get into, and Ed Woodward. You have to say it's been nothing short of phenomenal. Um, we've seen criticism from United fans for years upon years asking the likes of Gary Neville, Paul Scholes, Rio Ferdinand to use that platform on BT Sports, on Sky Sports, to criticise the owners. He's gone two feet in. The second anything to this level, um, you know, was sort of brought, reared its head. Um, he, he just went all in. And no doubt, he, he is a major catalyst for this. He, he came out during, well, it was right after the United match. Mm. He rallied the bands and, yeah, a lot of credit does go to Gary Neville. I think whatever the outcome has been was credit to him because he magnified it so early on. I think now one of the parties that are now getting a lot of the praise and a lot of the attention, and I think rightly so, but when the news broke, they were kind of the forgotten people, which is kind of weird when you think about it. It's a game of football, but the players weren't really talked about at the start. When this news broke, it was about the owners and what the fans can do and everything regarding that. It wasn't about the players. Where now, I think the players have played a huge role in this. How big? I'm not quite sure. But I think they have, and look, we'll look at this from a Man United point of view in terms of the influence of the dressing room and what they had with Ed Woodward and look how that potentially maybe even cost Ed Woodward Woodward his job. Who knows? But um, just your thoughts on what you have heard because there's been one or two different reports from sort of a few different outlets um, regarding some personnel in the United change room who have got on the front foot and sort of confronted Ed Woodward and got the ball rolling from a Man United point of view. It's the four players that you would think would come out and take a stand. Marcus Rashford, um, famously tweeting the the very the very status and the very quote that is Manchester United. The you know without the fans, football is nothing, as said by Sir Matt Busby. You then have Luke Shaw, who put out a really heartfelt tweet, which I really enjoyed reading. It was it was good to see. Um, and all the reports suggest it's Bruno Fernandes and Luke Shaw who have actually gone directly to Ed Woodward um, to express their disappointment. Uh, the feeling, and uh, from all reports, it's there was a genuine feeling that Solskjaer was thrown under the bus. The way he was 
sort of attacked with the Super League questions following the what should have been um, a discussion around a local junior scoring two goals. You know, it was all thrown into disarray. And then the reports around Harry Maguire looking to actually pull the players in together, ways to protest this should it have gone ahead. Um, I think there's credit to all those players and how they've contributed is different. But if those reports, particularly around Shaw and Bruno approaching Ed Woodward are true, you have to say that's that that's statue worthy. Yeah, well, I think that's the thing. And look, we'll never know. And look, personally, I, I see it from a point of view. While I, I would love to know, I almost feel I don't have a right to know. What happens in that change room should stay in that change room. And I have no issue with the players that keeping that to themselves, what happened. And that's a private situation for them to deal with. Obviously, I'd love to be a fly on the wall and sit, sort of see what happens. But look, I, I don't want to... Look, it's not a negative. But I see so many people who want to pick sides, who have favourites and sort of large platforms who have favourites and have agendas with certain players. And you've seen sometimes where one report says Harry Maguire was pivotal in this. So one person will say, no, it's not Harry Maguire. He wouldn't do that. It was Bruno who walked walked in and kicked Woodward's door down. It's all Bruno. And then someone who doesn't like Rashford. Now, Rashford wouldn't have done that. It was Luke Shaw who did it. And I just think we know nothing about what happened, but you can take a guess of those type of personalities um, in, inside the change room would have been... Sort of, I think it's a collective. I don't think you can put it down into an individual. But all I would say on Harry Maguire is I think he does need to take credit. Look, we've criticised him as well, personally not myself, but a lot of people have criticised him as captain of Manchester United. But that's on the field. I think off the field, since he has arrived, he has been absolutely brilliant. He's been great as a Manchester United captain. And I just refer to this sort of dispute he has had with Ed Woodward, or both the team has had with Woodward. Look, I, I've been in a change room where we had a pay dispute where our club stopped paying us. And um, there was a big dispute. And we had leaders in the change room who sort of were, were vocal and got up front and were angry about it. But everything just naturally, even if the captain didn't want to take leadership, it just came through the captain. The captain is so important in this situation. Everyone has their voice. Everyone has their opinion. But naturally, it just filters through the captain because the captain is the one who has a stronger relationship with the manager who has a stronger relationship with the CEO because you can imagine just who do you think is going to have more conversations with Ed Woodward, Harry Maguire or, I don't know, a Fred or a Victor Lindelof. Harry Maguire is going to be close. I'm not saying he has a close relationship with the board, but he would have had more conversations. So when this sort of movement starts from the change room, it naturally has to go through Harry Maguire. And that's not to say I put Harry Maguire above other people in the change room, but I think Harry Maguire does need to take a lot of credit in sort of getting the desired outcome here. Yeah, look, like you say, Tom, we, we don't know the full story, but I think what Harry Maguire, like, again, with his the way he came out today, he posts the picture of the Premier League trophy and all the fans in absolute ecstasy. Like, that's what you love to see. Harry Maguire gets Manchester United. For all the criticisms around his performance, whether you think he was worth £80 million or not, throw all of that to the side. The way he's carried himself on social media with this, the way he, you know what? And when you're going against your bosses, it takes balls, mate. Mm. You know, it's too easy to say yeah, the players just sit there quietly or not. They should protest. Like again, we said this on Monday. When these players, if you're going out there and it's not a combined effort, the repercussions could be massive. He's come out. He's put himself on a limb along with other players. And you know what? This is the only time I'll say it. Credit to Jordan Henderson as well. I thought the way he came out today was really admirable against Liverpool. Um, 
full credit where it's due to these players. But yeah, Harry Maguire, look, he, he is the captain, and today I think he showed some leadership. Yeah, no, definitely. Now quickly get on to... Well, we can't hide from the fact someone's got to not pay for this. Well, ultimately, you'd hope pay, and Woodward is potentially paid with his job, and we'll get on to the Glazers. But the eyes now do have to go onto the Premier League and UEFA, and are they going to punish these clubs? And I just think, okay, we can say, yes, they deserve punishment. And look, we're Man United, and we're saying, yes, we deserve punishment, 100%. However, the only way to really punish them is by punishing the team, whether that be docking points. Obviously, relegation's not going to happen. But after the good work the players have done, the players don't deserve to be punished. So how can UEFA or the Premier League punish these owners the right way without punishing the team who don't definitely don't deserve it? Or is this just going to be the price the players are going to have to pay, unfortunately? I don't think the players will pay a price because it didn't end up going through. So, you know, I, I don't think anything will happen in, from a UEFA perspective. I, I think the president has moved heaven and earth, um, particularly with his comments after the news broke around the Premier League clubs pulling out, said, you know, it's time to come back together as a family. I don't think there will be repercussions. In fact, the reports coming out have suggested there has been some conversations with UEFA as part of this to give these clubs a, a greater slice of the pie, if if you like. Um, and look, while I definitely do not agree with this Super League model, I do agree that these clubs do deserve a larger slice of, of, the, of the revenue. And because ultimately, while the principles of the Super League was wrong, the argument to say these clubs are the ratings generators and the revenue makers is correct. Mm. They absolutely are. So I'm not against them doing that. And I think there needs to work towards a solution where these clubs perhaps are better off compensated when they do qualify. Um, but at the end of the day, our dispute was around the merit of football and, and about earning your spot. So I don't think there'll be any repercussions, nor should there be. Like you said, the players, fans don't deserve to be punished for this. I think it's about how do we start getting these owners out of these football clubs. Well, just on your last point in the way that you're saying the club may sort of get a slice, a bigger slice of the pie, and ultimately when this news broke, when the news broke a couple of days ago, we are saying that, well, potentially it is just that. Maybe it is just a negotiation tactic. Now, I think this has gone beyond that and it didn't play out how anyone thought it would play out. But, yeah, ultimately, we may have been proven right from what our first gut feeling was that, okay, this isn't going to go ahead and United and these big clubs are going to get what they want from the new sort of reformed Champions League. Yeah, well, they very much might do. Mind you, I suppose because the Super League's just taken over. This new Premier, this sorry, the new Champions League proposal is atrocious. In fact, it's very similar to the Super League. The only difference is you still need to make the top four, but there is a room for you know you to just make it be, just because of your history. Mm. So well, you know we can debate that. But well, speaking of top four, and we'll quickly get on to more sort of Manchester United news, but not today, mm. not Chelsea, Brighton. But the other day when sort of Liverpool Leeds played, it was in the midst of all this controversy. Liverpool wore the shirts. Liverpool and Leeds fans were outside the ground and throwing stuff at the bus and everything, blah blah blah. But I was watching that Liverpool Leeds game, and obviously we hate both clubs. But and if it's a normal time, you're watching that game so intently, you want this team to score because it means this team drops points or vice versa. And whatever happened in that game, both Leeds scored and then oh, sorry, Liverpool scored, then Leeds scored, but both goals were just, eh, okay, that's a goal. It means nothing because especially when Leeds got the equaliser, it was just, okay, we should be cheering that Liverpool dropping points. 
But it was just a case of, okay, they drop, drop points. What, who cares? If they finish 15th, they're still going to be at the top table next season in the Super League. So it was just a clear example straight off the bat in the first game of football since the news broke that the Super League was going to kill football because suddenly you're watching Liverpool-Leeds game, this huge game in the Premier League, and there was just nothing. It was, okay, there's a goal. Well, it actually truly means nothing now. And um, I think it was so important to have that game so soon after the news broke which has highlighted everyone's fears about what would happen to football. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we've spoken about this since the news broke. It, you almost felt numb. Like, you, I was seriously contemplating... My, look, I'll, I'll never turn my back on Manchester United. I love it too much. But there, there was that element of, do I even want to watch another game for the rest of this season, knowing that it really means nothing? It came to the point where the only position that would have mattered is finishing first. Everything else was redundant. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like, this is not what football is meant to be. Um, so, yeah, to say I'm relieved, understatement, mate, but it's it's awesome. Let's just let's just celebrate how, how quickly this is unraveled. I think this is the shortest proposal and death that we have ever seen in the history of sport ever. Oh, God. So I'm, I'm going to embrace that. Time when we're looking back and we're going, God, do you remember that April in 2021? Do you remember those two days in April where football was turned upside down? Um, it'll be amazing to look back at. But you just mentioned sort of celebrating some news there. Um, I'll throw the throw the mic to you. Um, I, I was fast asleep. It was about four in the morning, um, snoring my head off. And my phone bips, and it's our chairman from the supporters club here in New South Wales. He's finally back in in Sydney after a while in Manchester, so he's in hotel quarantine. So he's obviously suffering from severe jet lag, and he sends our group message, um, a message at four in the morning, saying Ed Woodward has resigned. So I've, the phone's bipped, and I've just sort of, sort of, just got my eyes open, sort of tried to read what it said. You know what the phone's like in the morning when it's a pitch black room, and that you got that bright light shining in your face, you kind of a bit blurry eyed. He just said, Ed Woodward has just resigned. And I thought, what's happened here? And then I scrolled through Twitter a little bit. Suddenly I've seen, oh my God, football has just been turned upside down. All these clubs are pulling out of the um, Super League. Woodward resigned. My wife's kicked me out of the bed because the light was too strong. So I've gone out to the lounge room to watch the Chelsea Brighton game and scroll through Twitter for 90 minutes. And um, just your thoughts when you heard the news because we all knew about, okay, we need to get out of the Super League. How are we going to get this out? All the talk is get the Glazers out. And suddenly, six hours later, Ed Woodward has resigned. It was truly unbelievable. I just did not see this coming. Yeah, I don't think anyone saw this coming. But I think once the news broke of the Super League, a part of you had to start thinking, if this doesn't go through, someone's going to pay for this. And it's now becoming apparent that, look, we'll, we'll get into the Glazers not long, in not too long, but... You know, whether he's a scapegoat or not, firstly, let's just say I don't think that this was a resignation. I think he was pushed out. Um, It just seems all too convenient, doesn't it? With the Super League news breaking and suddenly collapsing, he suddenly resigns. And then this beautiful narrative around, oh, he was going to leave at the end of the year anyway. And then not too long after the announcement that United have pulled out of the Super League. It just seems all a bit too convenient. Um, when the news came out, I was ecstatic. I, I was absolutely buzzing um, because I think all of us, and I, I think this is the one time every United fan is united in, and, you know, pun not intended on this. Uh, you would have, we've been dying for Ed Woodward to leave his, uh, his, his spot. So, yeah, mate, I'm, I'm ecstatic with it. I don't think he's this commercial genius that people claim he is. 
I don't think he's done much for the football department. I think the transfers and the philosophy or lack thereof under him, the strategy under him has been atrocious. CNR, mate, you won't be missed. Look, before we get into the Glazers next, I just want to say now, in regards to that CEO role, there's always, and maybe this is a lazy argument, I'm not sure, but we've obviously talked about PR and the PR hit the Glazers have just taken. Is Edwin van der Sar the perfect opportunity now, or is that a little bit lazy? I think it's lazy. I'd love for it to happen, but I don't see it happening. I think the Glazers will look for a like-for-like. But again, when we get into the Glazers and whether what happens in terms of do they want to sell the club or not, that's where things start to get a bit more interesting. Well, look, we could still go on on about Woodward, but I think what Gary Neville sort of summed it up um, quite nicely, saying Woodward was the um, the tree trunk, but now it's time to go for the roots. So we, we could have an hour discussion on Woodward, his time at United, what his resignation or potentially in your eyes, maybe even a sack sort of um, looks like. But yeah, the discussion more importantly now does have to go to the Glazers. And the first point I want to bring up about the Glazers here is I read a good article, not articles, a couple of tweets, a thread of tweets. And it was along the lines of, because now there's a little bit of sort of rumours or a bit of momentum around the Glazers potentially selling. Who knows? We'll get into that. But there was a theory saying that when the Glazers took over in 2005, that potentially, who knows, but potentially their ultimate goal was to form a Super League. Um, Okay, it's taken them 15, 16 years, but that was their ultimate goal where they saw Manchester United and football. Now, ultimately, okay, they've come to that stage where they've almost got it over the line and ultimately it has failed. So is this maybe the catalyst where they think, well, okay, we've been here long enough, we didn't get what we want done, it's time to move on? Or is that maybe clinging to a little bit of false hope? No, mate, I'm with you on the former. I think they're done. I actually think they have looked at this and this was the Hail Mary for them to keep hold of Manchester United till the day they die. Um, But it's very clear in part of this whole Super League, United, it looks like United with Liverpool have been driving this. They've been the leaders of this Super League, which is the most disheartening thing ever when you consider the working class history of both football clubs. But... Yeah, they were the catalyst of it. And then the supporting narrative around this is Ed. this was all orchestrated by Ed Woodward. That's what that's what's coming out now. So, And you could see it. Like, if you just look at the way the club was taken over, a hostile takeover, leveraged by debt, for all your criticism of the Glazer family and Ed Woodward, these are very intelligent men who know how to utilize finances and strategically get what they want. Um, within the realms of within the realms of uh, law, which is which is insanity, um, I think this was the plan. Now, when you suddenly gonna say to you, all right, we had three hundred and fifty million pounds guaranteed coming in year on year, that's suddenly gone. What is the point? The the amount of debt they've put against the club, there's clearly no intention to clear that debt. Uh, they clearly don't seem super ambitious on winning the Premier League and breaking the bank to do so. I think this is it, mate. I think this is the beginning of the end of Glazer ownership. We've talked about in regards more more so in regards to the Super League and the impact fans and fan power has had on potentially overturning the Super League decision. And it's something we questioned. We even questioned at the two days ago: is fan power enough? Like, do fan voices really count that much? These owners have shown they can go without football. Sorry, they can do without fans in the stadiums. They they can show they can still make money out of football. Um, with no one in the stands, so as is a fan voice really that is important as sort of as we make it out. And I'm just thinking, 
is fan pressure maybe going to be enough to get the Glazers out now that, okay, there's been pressure on them for 15 years, but is there a different type of fan pressure now that fans know that it can work? I don't know if it's fan pressure per se, but I think they will go because it doesn't make financial sense for them to stay anymore. I think the amount of money that they've looked to create out of this just isn't going to happen now. Um, th- there is that protest at Old Trafford on Saturday. It looks like that is still going ahead. Uh, so 3 p.m. Old Trafford, um, Manchester time, obviously. Uh, that That is expected to continue. So it looks like even with the Super League now being put in the bin, uh, the protests won't stop. And I think while the fans can't be the driver of the outcome or the final outcome, I think they can definitely con- continue to apply the pressure. And I think now is, you know, the, the Giants groggy, uh, you know, the legs are wobbling. And I think this is the time to continue going for it until the Giant falls. Do you think that on in regards to the Glazer Out movement and whatever you want to call it, hashtag Glazers Out or whatever, is different now? And the, because that momentum is there and the ball is rolling, it's very important to continue with it now because you look back two years ago when this glazer out movement sort of started on or not the movement the movement's been happening since 2005 but two years ago just before the team came to sydney um or sorry to perth they um there was a big movement on twitter hashtag glazers out and there was a failed protest at old trafford i think about seven people showed up at old trafford um didn't quite work but that stemmed completely i i didn't agree with that protest of course i agreed with glazers out but I didn't agree with that protest because all that protest was, was all it was, it stemmed from the frustration of fans, maybe a younger generation of fans on Twitter that weren't happy with the signings. They wanted new signings. They wanted flashy new toys. And that is where that frustration stemmed from. And I was saying, get yeah. the Glazers out because we're not signing. I don't know who our number one target was that year. I think, it was. I think Paul Pogba was about to leave and we wanted a big name to replace him. I forget the whole situation. But that is where that anger stemmed from not from the real issue of the actual technical ownership of the Glazers. So I'm just thinking, now that the Glazer ownership and the Woodwards resignation and everything has highlighted so many issues to maybe... what like People who live and breathe the club know the issue with the Glazers and have known the issue with the Glazers. However, what Gary Neville has now come up and said, it's sort of made it sort of not public knowledge, but a wider knowledge. More people are aware, and hopefully more of our fan base are aware of just how big a problem the Glazers are for Manchester United, that now this isn't just going to be a Twitter movement, a hashtag get your Glazers out. This is going to actually sort of, which is kind of never possible over the years, but might actually happen now, which we've seen football, we've seen Liverpool fans and Chelsea fans and City fans unite over this Super League. I think here, Manchester United fans might finally unite. Yeah, mate, I think so. I think there's a a common interest, and with all due respect to the the YouTubers of the world who want to see us sign Cristiano Ronaldo, Jadon Sancho and Erling Haaland in one transfer window. I think the right football fans are at the heart of this now. So, look, may, may the drums continue to beat until they're gone, mate. I, I, after this experience with the Glazers, like, it's in the past, it's been almost an acceptance. It's, you know, it's like it's like the, the stepfather you didn't want, you know. You don't love him, but you know he's part of your life. Um, with, with this though, it's too far. It's gone too far. What they tried to do to this football club and to the fans, it can't stand. Did you see the release around the the um the, the pulling out of the Super League? It was disgraceful compared to what Arsenal and Liverpool did. Uh, Arsenal had the a Liverpool good one, owner. Yes. City City and United City was actually worse than United, but United yes, one hundred percent. United was woeful, but Arsenal yeah actually came out with a 
look, okay, what's an apology for, by a board member? But um, yes, it was technically an apology, which yes, United didn't get. Not just that, they, they not just, see, so yeah, they didn't apologise, I take that on board, but there was a lack of acceptance that they did the wrong thing. Yeah. And and they and they finished it with we will continue to look explore opportunities to for the betterment of football. So what are, are you saying the Super League experiment or and um, the projects are not over? Are you going to look for another way to uh, look, slip I, your I way in? The, yeah, I think the twelve clubs are still filthy. It hasn't gone through, or not the twelve clubs, the twelve owners. Sorry, I think yeah, that they still if they could do it tomorrow and without the fan reaction, I think they'll do it. Well, that's the thing, mate. Like. That that release was pathetic. The Arsenal one seemed, you know, as a fan, that's what you want to read. They yeah. accepted. We got this wrong. We put our hands up. We apologise. The Liverpool owner came out and said, you know, we didn't understand from the players' perspective, the fans' perspective, ultimately apologises in the end. United. And not just that. Joel Glazer's kept his mouth shut, mate. You have not heard a peep out of that that spineless prick. You haven't heard a thing because he doesn't have the balls to say a damn word about this football club. It's just another business for him. He needs to go. Well, look, there's going to be plenty of Glazer podcasts on, on this um, podcast in future weeks, I'm sure of it. But just before, and look, who knows what will happen, but it has been a bit of a discussion, well, a bit of a discussion, a big movement on Twitter today as well in regards to the 50 plus one ownership model, which is obviously prevalent over in Germany. Um, it's not so much the case in England, but... um. Just your thoughts on that, because I think everyone is for it. Now, it has sort of pros and cons, but I just think I can't quite see it being implemented um, in England. I just think I'm not sure um, if the government will be too happy, or I'm not sure if the government will be too happy or not too happy, but um, off the top of my head, I can't quite see it working in England, not, not working in England, but being implemented in England. But um, while ideally I would agree with it, um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know, mate. I'm split on this one. I, I agree with it in principle. I, I just I don't know enough about it to understand how the whole structure works. Is it like so? I know with Spain they've got kind of like a, a socios model where ultimately fans can own the club for putting in. I think it's a hundred and twenty three euros or something a year. Um, so I know that Real Madrid, Barca have that model. But in saying that, they don't actually get a say in the football club. Uh, with Germany, I know that they've got that 50 plus one model. But again, I'd need to know more. Is it a simple case of ownership? Do you actually well, well, get a say the, the, in the, the day-to-day running? The 50% of the shares and a share. So 50, 50% plus one share, which would give them that sort of amount of Majority. ownership. Which um, sort of stops these potential takeovers by these sort of foreigners. It does, but you know, in saying that, what's the ownership if you don't get a say in terms of how the football club is run? Oh, no, so ultimately, I think I'm that matters. I'm not sure how that percentage works out into sort of voting rights um, when the club sort of does come up to that sort of time of year. But um, yeah, it is something that I think a lot of people, which we've just mentioned here, would just throwing the term out. Yes, to have a proper discussion about it, we would need to sit down and actually research. I've got a better solution for you, Tom. How about Conor McGregor just takes over? Well, that's the thing. Like, look. Everyone had a bit of a laugh about that. Then I saw a few people actually who sort of know I follow MMA and um, they messaged me and said, hang on, is this potential? And I was like, first of all, it's a little bit of a laugh. And yes, Conor McGregor is a Man United fan, but no, Conor McGregor can't afford Manchester United. There's only a select few, a select few people on this earth who can afford to buy Manchester United. Dana White, Conor McGregor's boss, he couldn't afford, he, he's a billionaire. He couldn't afford to buy United probably. I think he's probably around two or three billion. So, um... Yeah, well, look, Can I pull something I mean, look, forward Conor to you, McGregor, mate? I'm sure he's the type of person 
who would probably sit down and have a talk to a few people about sort of joining forces. Um, because he, he, the backing. he is that type of He'd character. He'd get the backing to do it. When he sets his mind on something, he does do things that you don't feel are possible. Like who would have thought someone with absolutely no boxing matches on in his career goes and fights the greatest boxer of all time? Like that's something that is impossible. It's the the State Athletic Commission in Las Vegas should not have sanctioned that fight. That's not allowed. Someone who has had 49 professional boxing matches can't fight mm-hmm. someone who has never had a boxing fight. But Conor McGregor made it happen. So these... Look, we're having a bit of laugh and a little bit of fantasy, but he, I wouldn't put it past him to have... He would have a discussion with a few people of, is this a possibility? Oh, can you imagine how entertaining the press conference would be? <laughs> imagine, honestly, just imagine he takes over and his very first presser. <laughs> oh, my days. Yeah. Sign me up for that. Yeah, no, you, and you, he gets to punch the glazers out on the way. At the press conference. Yeah, he can knock the glazers out on the way in. I'd love to see that. Well, before we... Um, we won't preview the Leeds match, but we'll just touch on the Leeds match before we... Um, say goodbye but um there is a little bit of news that broke um the other day um it absolutely got swept under the carpet and not one per i haven't seen really an article about it but it's unbelievable there was a sacking over in um, london jose Mourinho was sacked from tottenham did you hear about that yeah somehow in the midst of all this madness it feels like it happened 500 days ago you know it was 24 hours ago well, what do you, you make know it's amazing though? because look we've sat here and said okay Mourinho yeah. needs sacking he's not the manager that he was but you put yourself in his position or a Tottenham fan's position, so close to a cup final. I just, I can understand and probably the ruthlessness of Daniel Levy sort of sacking him before he wins that trophy. So the inevitable sacking will sort of cost Tottenham less money because if they sacked him after the trophy, his reported payout was going to be a lot more. So, okay, from a business point of view, I can understand that. But just from a moral point of view, while I'm, I'm not his biggest fan at the moment, I don't agree with it. I thought it was shocking by Tottenham. I understand it in principle. Look, it doesn't make sense to me. I, my personal... Look, this is just a personal feeling. I could be bang wrong on this. I believe they thought the Super League had been going through, and I think with that extra cash, Levy's probably thought, I can afford to sack this guy. Mm. That, that's just my personal opinion. And I think with the Super League now falling apart, he's probably kicking himself. I wouldn't be surprised if he's picking up the phone and trying to make peace with Jose to bring him back in before the final. <laughs> Oh God, the way, look, the way football has gone in the last 48 hours, look, that wouldn't shock me. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past it. We'll tune into that for the next podcast if that happens. But um, before we wrap up, um, Leeds, huge game now. Like, we're going into that match thinking, oh God, what's this going to be like? Are we going to celebrate a goal against Leeds? But now we can sort of approach this game the proper way. Um, look, Man City, by the time you're listening to this, you might know the Man City at Aston Villa result. They're going to kick off in about 12 hours, I think. So, um, look, who knows? Fingers crossed City could drop points and suddenly this Leeds game has a, a lot riding on it. But um, anything to add on the Leeds match? Because it was, it was probably the highlight of my season so far when we beat them 6-2 and McTominay had that double inside the first two minutes. Mm. I think it'll be a good game. Um, I think I'll be very keen to see how United actually play. Um, I just The emotional roller coaster as a fan, you have to imagine the players have gone through something of their own emotional wear out throughout the last two days. So I'll be very keen to see how the United players turn up for this one. I hope it's a fired and fired up and inspired performance. Um, and it's a game we can lose. It really is. Um, you know, Leeds, for all their credit, you know, they, they are entertaining. Um, and when they do turn it on, they can hurt you. I think it'll be a good game of football, Tom. I, 
I'm, I don't agree with Leeds' approach in, you know, Bielsa, he's, he's a, he sticks to his guns. He, he believes in attacking football and credit to him. Because of that, I, I know I can tune in for an entertaining game of football. Um, but I think we're going to see another high-scoring game, and I, I don't think it'll be pretty for Leeds, if I'm being honest. Yeah, nah. Well, it will be interesting. Okay, there are no fans in the ground, but we saw what Leeds did to the sort of the way they greeted the Liverpool coach the other day. So, could, could you imagine if this was packed at Ellen Road, the treatment United get? Like United don't get treated oh. well there anyway. Could you imagine after the week we've just had? So, um, probably a good thing that there's not going to be no fans inside the ground because yeah, United going to be definitely up against it. But if if we can beat Leeds after this week, um. Not only would I be happy, I'll just be so proud because this week has put me through, and not just me, this is definitely not about me, it's put millions of people, millions of Man United fans around the world through an absolute nightmare of a roller coaster. Um, it has been tough. So ho- hopefully these two podcasts we've done over the last two days um, have sort of given some someone something to listen to, something to kill some time, something to take their mind off things. And Because um, I've definitely needed a chat, Larry. Um, it's been... As I said, been emotional. So I just want to thank you for giving us the time to have a chat. No, oh, mate, please. You need a hug, you let me know. No, anytime. But um, yeah, again, hopefully everyone enjoyed the podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your podcast app and following us on all the social medias. It'd be very much appreciated. And make sure you join us after the Leeds game. Um, and we can update you on, obviously, the result, but update you on the status of um, mine and Larry's hugs. All right, cheers, mate. Cheers.